Everybody doing okay? All right. You can follow along in the Bible or you can get out your little purple slip of paper because it's got the scripture right on it that we're going to be looking at today. And uh, this is your, your take home for prayers through this. We'll talk about it a little later in the sermon, but just wanted to, to give you a handout to you can put into practice what we're talking about today. Looking at Philippians chapter 1, continuing up to verses 9 to 11. We started here last week. We're going to continue again. So let's stand as we read these three verses. And you can keep your Bible open or look at that purple sheet of paper and you can follow along as we continue this prayer of St. Paul. He writes, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, and that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thank you, Lord, for this prayer that Paul wrote at the beginning of this letter. We appreciate, Lord, how it has affected me to begin to think about praying for other Christians in a new way. I pray that all of us would just be drawn into this passage and drawn into this truth and the truths that are in it to pray for each other. And we love you, Jesus, and we just want to serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So for the second week, we're looking at Paul's prayer for his Christian friends that lived in the in Philippi, and he started by praying that these Christians would grow in agape love and balance that by a growth in God's truth or knowledge and a growth in discernment. When do you show agape love, self-giving, God-centered love towards another person? And when do you hit them with the truth and say it's time for you to step up and, and, and usually it's a combination of the two. And so we spent a whole sermon on those. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't have time to go completely back over that. Uh, but you'll just have to check out last week's recorded sermon, which lays the groundwork for as we continue to go. Because as he starts his prayer, these were the first things that he prayed about. That they may have agape love, that they may have more knowledge of God and what he desires and his will, and that there would be discernment, and that they would grow in all of these areas. He wanted this Christian brothers and sisters to grow in these three areas. So last Sunday, I challenged you at the end of the, of the sermon to pray for each other in those three areas. That you would pray that uh, Sam would grow in his love for Jesus and abounds more and more in his life, and, and that he would also grow in his knowledge of what God's will is, and then, then that he would have the discernment in his life when he's dealing with, with other people to know when to give him just blanket love, and when to give them the truth, and when to do a combination of that, which most of the time is some kind of combination. Out of love, I'm sharing this truth as I relate to you. And so uh, we were challenging you to do that, and uh, because that's not normal, <laughs> um, it's not the normal way we do prayer time, uh, perhaps it was a little difficult for you all to, to get through that and to think about that and apply that. I said do it for five people. 
and put their names in the blanks. And so I hope some of you tried that. And uh, I'm not going to ask you because then I'm going to be disappointed if nobody did. But um, I hope that you did. Um, I can honestly say that I, I prayed for a lot of you this week by name. That prayer. I can't say that I did everybody. I went through the old directory and then thought of some people who weren't in there. And basically every day prayed for about 10, 12 families and said, Lord, help them as they deal with this in their life. May they grow in love. May they grow in knowledge. May they grow in discernment. So I hope that you will keep thinking about that. And again today, which is part of the reason why I made this, is so that taking out the word you and your, you can put somebody's name in there and actually begin to pray this for people here in the church, your fellow Christians. Won't that be good? I'm helping you to pray. Fill in your prayer time. Pray that for your spouse. Pray that for your children. Pray that for other people that you know who are Christians that need to just have more of God in their lives. And you can even almost pray it for yourself. But it's good to pray for someone else. It really is. So all three of these, love, knowledge, and discernment, are internal areas of growth. They're attitudinal. They're, uh, they're feelings. They're mind things. Information is a mind thing. So they're internal. And spiritual change and growth starts inside us. It starts in the heart. It starts in the mind. It starts in our attitudes. It starts in our thinking processes. That's why he put it first in this prayer. But it doesn't stop there. When we change the way we think and change the way we feel, then we can change other areas of our life. And how these internal changes become evident is in the character growth that occurs in our daily Christian life. And that's today's sermon. Paul moves on in his prayer to a practical demonstration of what is going on when God helps us with the love and, and knowledge and discernment, um, then we can grow in other ways as well. And these are additional things that we pray for each other. So we're going to start with, with them today, moving on to verse 10. So that Christians, number one, will grow in making the best choices, and I'm going to spend more time on this one than the others. Now, Paul prayed in verse 10 that you may approve the things that are excellent. Approve the things that are excellent. Again, Paul uses specific words to get a specific idea across. And the Greek word verb here, approve, is used for testing metals, to detect flaws, to detect impurities, to determine if it is a genuine silver or a genuine gold or genuine whatever it is, aluminum, whatever, and, and there's no alloys, which means there's no mixture in there. There's no imperfections in it. So you're approving something, you're testing it. I want this to be as good as it possibly can. I want it to be a quality thing. And it goes right along with the Greek word for excellent, which means picking the most superior, the top, the best, out of the things that are good. Little different concept here. This Greek phrase, 
approve the things that are excellent means that we need to test out our options in life. You ever come to decisions in life where you have multiple options? Yeah? Okay, are you awake? <laughs> All right. So we have these different options in life, and we need to be the best we possibly can, as a, as a servant of God, to pick out the best, the most excellent, the approved, the tested, the figured out areas of our life. We need to get the best out of that. Amen. We want to do that. So often as Christians, we're given a couple of good options to choose from. Some may be insignificant in those options. Some may be good. Some may be bad. But when they're bad choices, we as Christians know what? You don't do that. We know the bad part. So this is different. Paul is not talking about choosing between a good and bad option. We as Christians should already know that. He's not talking about whether we should resist temptation or yield to temptation because we already know we resist temptation, right? We already know there's certain things that we don't do, there's certain places we don't go, so to speak. When it comes to sin, there are bad options that we are not a part of. We've already said no. But what happens as a Christian when we have, oh, a non-moral issue, um, and there's more than one option, and they're both good, neither one is a sin, or there may be three or four, and uh, a real simple illustration is, what if there's five women, and there's ten guys, and they're each trying to pick, and the options are they're all Christians, I would think that if I was a follower of Jesus Christ, I would want the best that fits with me, right? So, Lord, I got my choices, but what is your choice? So we're talking here about something a little bit different than sin and no sin. We're talking about good and better and best and excellent and superior, okay? That's what he's talking about. Um, what is not always obvious is that there are two or three good options, and we need to figure out what is the most excellent, what is the best choice. So we need some divine perspective. We need divine direction on our decisions. And this is what we pray and what Paul is praying for other Christians, that God would help them and us to determine what is the best out of many good options that could be presented. It may just be two, it may be three. Sometimes in life there's only one choice. We know what we need to do. We go that direction. And I'll give you some illustrations of this. I already mentioned the marriage thing. Because Debbie and I went to a Christian Bible school. And uh, there was 300 students in the Bible college. They're all supposedly Christians at some level or another, you need to pick out while you're there. She dated different people. I dated different people before we uh, met each other. And, you know, each time you would pray, is this, is this right, you know? But eventually you get to the point where God says, that's the one. So I asked her out. We went on a date. And then she said no. 
<laughs> it's an interesting story. Because I was called to be a pastor, and she felt she was called to the mission field. At a young age, when she got sanctified, she surrendered to go to the mission field because she felt like that was something she was not willing to do, so she told the Lord she was. So she said, I can't date you anymore because I'm going to go to the mission field, and you're going to be a pastor. And I said, well, okay. But God told me. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a long story, but we prayed about it, and we come fall revival, or I don't remember what it was in her life, and, and uh, she went down, I don't remember the exact occasion now, because it's been 37 years ago, when we were in college, and she uh, went and prayed at the altar about a certain situation. She got up, and she got permission from the dean of women, and they called me over, and I go, uh-oh, what I do now? And uh, went over there to the girls' dorm and found out, and she said, guess what? God released me from that missionary call. So if we want to date again, <laughs> and the rest is history, we dated for two years and been married for 35. But I don't rem it's so fuzzy back there now, but then it was a big deal, finding God's best for your life. Because there was a lot of options to choose from that were good, but do you want the best? See how important this is? Very important. That was not one of my direct illustrations that I wrote down here. <laughs> but it just, it just plays in. I think is, for me, one of the many options that there are um, in life. The first illustration that I chose is obvious to me, but it wasn't to the woman involved. In San Antonio, there was a, a lady who who locked her 10-month-old uh, niece in the car. San Antonio, 100 degrees. And so she and told the mom, and so she and the mom are running around the car in a panic. What do we do? What do we do? And the neighbor man they got a hold of, he's out there with a coat hanger, and it's not working, and the baby's starting to turn blue, little foam coming up on his lips and whatever. So the record guy arrives, or is driving by, I don't know, his name is Fred Ario. And so he just grabs a hammer, goes over there and goes, Psh, busts a window out, reaches in and locks the door, and the baby is saved, right? Woo! <laughs> Except the aunt is mad because he broke a window out of her car. So, a good option, good choice is save the baby. Second choice is Cars cost money. You don't want to ruin a car. They're both good. But what is the superior, more excellent option? You know, I think there's some common sense here, but not everybody would see that. Neither one was a negative, but what is the best, most excellent choice? So to me, that's an obvious one, but it wasn't to the ant. It wasn't. She wanted to say both. And she might have lost the one to save the other. Jesus, another illustration, told his disciples, after spending three years with them, I'm going to go away. Right? And I'm going to send the comforter to you. And he will, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you all truth and all this kind of stuff. And he was teaching them about this. And they, they were a little upset. No, you can't leave. 
Jesus was what they knew. He's the one that called them. He's the one that was teaching them. He was the one that was training them. He was their leader. Good option. Have Jesus here, physically walking around the earth with us, showing us what to do. There's only one problem. He may never get to Brazil, Indiana. Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And he will guide you. He will live within you. They didn't understand that option. But they understood it later. After Jesus had ascended and the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and was in within each of their heart and life, they began to experience Jesus in them. And everybody had Jesus in them. And we have Jesus in us. It was better than Jesus having the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The disciples didn't understand that. Jesus made the decision, the better option is the Holy Spirit. Having a spirit inside us is better than having Jesus beside us. I went to a Promise Keeper conference, another illustration. Years ago when they were big and first came out, we went to the one in Colorado, uh, where it started, Boulder, Colorado, stayed in Denver. And uh, Coach McCartney, that was his stadium. He's one that really was starting it. And so we went out there and uh, experienced 60,000 guys in, in the stadium. And different things, they were, they were protesting way back then. Protesting. A bunch of guys getting together, worshiping Jesus, to go home and be better husbands, better, better fathers, better Christians in their community. And I remember they were flying overhead with these planes with, with trails behind them of, of sayings. And one of the things they said, promise keepers, losers, and weepers. You know, demeaning men for trying to be Christian men. And uh, while that was flying around, one afternoon, they put a guy up to speak. He wasn't one of the main preacher speakers. His name was Tim Burke. Tim Burke was a pitcher, Major League Baseball pitcher for the Montreal Expos. He was a Christian man. He was good. You won't know his statistics because of the rest of the story. You can look him up, but he didn't last very long on purpose. He and his wife could not have children. So they prayed about it and decided to adopt some international children and they were special needs. Nobody else wanted them. They ended up with four special needs children. Took a lot of, he was able to make enough money playing baseball to, to supply the financial needs for this. But it was taking his wife every effort she could to handle four kids all the time. 24-7 because he's on the road. So everybody was like, what are you doing? He quit baseball. Options were good. But he got a job locally so he could be there nights and weekends and so on with his family to help raise these four children that he became a dad to. And everybody thought he was nuts. But what I'm saying is, two good choices. He could be a Christian in both situations. But what was the excellent choice? You see what I'm saying now? We go through life as Christians, and sometimes it's not good and bad. 
Sometimes it's better or best. And we need to pray for each other because sometimes we may mess it up. And if everybody was praying that Tim Burke would make the right choice in his church, and he made the right choice. I had a friend at one of the churches I pastored who was in aviation. He was a pilot. He, he could, he could uh, fix uh, plane engines, propellers. He'd take me up flying. We had, his wife played the violin. She was an awesome violinist. We loved having them in our church, young couple. Two little kids, age of our kids. But his dad was dying in our hospice. And a good Christian man, none of the other family could go. He gave up his job, moved away from us, and went to live with his dad until he died. Then became a missionary aviation pilot to Alaska. And there died, carrying some kids uh, to a youth camp. And on his way back, we don't know what happened. He uh, landed in a lake and drowned. He's the guy that took me to the promise keepers. Don Irving. Now just think about the choices that he made. None of them were bad choices. They were ministry choices. Excellent choices. Not everyone looking at his life would have said that followed the same pathway and career. But he was always about the ministry. Ministry to his dad who was dying. Ministry to the people in Alaska. I'm not saying in every situation you need to make the same choices. What I'm saying is you need to find out what is the best choice sometimes between good choices in your life, right? There's a more excellent way. And a lot of times there's Christians who settle for mediocre or they will settle for second best or third best or whatever the case may be or just get by. But I want us to learn to pray for each other that when the choices in life come and there is an option there that we will choose the best option, right? And we need to pray that that would happen. We need to make the excellent choice. There's different times when we had choices of churches to go to. Some of them were, were good. Some of them were better. Some of them were best. Some of them were focused more on children's ministries and outreach in that direction or whatever. Some of them didn't go with my gifts and graces. And so sometimes you have to choose. They're all Christian. They're all right denomination, all those kind of things. But what is God's will? Amen? I think of Stan Toller, who became the only general superintendent who retired from the general superintendency before his time because he wanted to go back and do leadership ministries. What? You made it to the top? He lasted one quadrennium, four years, and said, this is not where God wants to use me for the most. These things come into my mind about the options that I have that are good. Nothing sinful about him. But what is God's will, and more importantly then, what is the best in God's will for me in this situation of my life? Because there is pressure in today's culture, if you just want to fit in and just get by, that's the pressure. Do the minimal in life, right? Barely make it. Just, just be a Christian and just hang out there 
and whatever. But I believe Paul is pushing us and the Holy Spirit within us is pushing us that sometimes there is good, better, and best. And we need to work a little harder to get the best things out of our life for our kids' sake, for our ministry's sake, for the future's sake, for the people that we're supposed to reach's sake. And instead, if we just comfortable just barely being there. Because the world says, just barely do it. Just get by. And Paul is not interested in spiritual mediocrity, and neither should we. With a spirit's guidance, Christians need to pursue the highest options possible in our relationships, in our ministry choices, and even in our choices of entertainment. You can look and flip through the TV programs. you got a thousand channels, and half of them you don't even want. And three-fourths of them aren't worth looking at, unless you like to shop. How can you have 50,000 shopping programs is beyond me. But when it comes to entertainment, there are good and better and best choices, right? And we choose. Well, do I want to do this mediocre where I know there's going to be some of this going on and some of that going on? Or do I want to choose something better to put my mind on? Choices in reading material, choices in Everything in life, and some of them may not be bad, some of them are, those you throw aside, but what is excellent? There are some choices that are more superior and excellent, and we need to pray for each other to make the best choices in life, then we will have less regrets. As I was sharing with Michaela and Jenny a couple weeks ago, there's floors and ceilings, and most people just barely hang around the floor. If you're going to be all in for Jesus, get all in. Be a ceiling type person. Just try a little harder to get to the best point that you can possibly be. Because I don't want to waste your life as so many others are wasting it. No, push it. Push it. Get the best. I'm not talking about past. I'm talking about moving forward. Because there's many things in our past we can't change. Those choices are done. But what about today? How can you do better today? Don't settle for bottom entry level. Settle for the best that God has for you today. And work on it and move up. Make the best choices in life. Then you will have less regrets. In life, the rest of these areas in Paul's prayer are easier to understand. But I just want to lay that one out there because that we will—he's praying that we will approve what is the most excellent. And the world says, "Ah, just be mediocre, just barely make it." No, I don't want to barely make it. I want to be all in and do the best I possibly can. If I'm going to be a Christian, I might as well be a weirdo Christian. I don't want there to be any doubt in anyone's mind that I'm going with Jesus. I don't want that to happen to you. So I'm going to begin praying this for you this week. Moving down to the next verse and so on in my life. Because I think this is so important. Because sometimes you're going to face, here's one job, here's another job. This one pays more. 
but this one allows me to spend more time with my kids. This one is a further distance to travel. This one, you know, you have to weigh the options and find out what is the most excellent for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you can put in more ministry time, or you can do more family time, or you can, because some of those things are more important than another dollar in wage. You just have to decide and choose. All right, the other ones are easier. Christians will grow in purity is number two. Paul prayed that you may be sincere. The word sincere is an interesting, the Greek word means tested by the light of the sun. It's actually what it means, it's a compound word. And so you can kind of picture, and I, I took it that Paul chose this word because he was a tent maker, which means he sold material together. And who wants to sew material together, especially a tent, if it's going to have a flaw in it that's going to leak? So what they would do is they would take things up and hold it up with the sun out. And you could see when it's tested by the light of the sun, it, how, the, how the fabric was and how if there was oh, imperfections and whatever in it. So this word picture really speaks to me as far as Paul's job as a tent maker probably really spoke to him. Uh, hold the tent cloth up to the sun, examine it carefully, see if there's flaws in the fabric before you sew it into the tent that, that he was making. So there was pressure in our culture again. There's pressure to excuse your faults instead of improving them. A lot of pressure. Oh, you just can't help it. That's just the way you were born. That's just the way you live. It's your parents' fault. It's, it's your house on the wrong side of the tracks. People who grow up in Brazil never amount to anything. And I don't know all this stuff that, that you get in life to where you just, pfft. isn't it amazing, though, that when you get God in your life, he begins to examine you, and, and he begins to say, you can improve. Christianity is an improvement religion. You don't have to stay where you were the rest of your life. You can grow. You can be better. And you can stay status quo, and that's where everybody wants to be. But Paul is praising this for Christians, and he says, that is not where you need to be. That's society. Stay where you are. Stay in, in your situation. Stay depressed. Stay discouraged. Or you can grow. And Paul says, let's grow. So look at uh, in the light of the sun. Don't you like that? In the light of the sun, S-O-N, I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to say, you know what? Jesus was better than me and I'm going to improve. Jesus wants us to improve. God has a higher calling. He wants us to winnow out the chaff in our life. He wants to have a transparent character. He wants us to have a blameless life. And each year we should be able to look back and say, wow, God, you helped me. That flaw is no longer so big, right? That problem is no longer becoming the main focus of everybody about me. But they, instead, they, re, they can't see that anymore because, God, you've helped me to become more pure and transparent and blameless in that area of your life. Now, we just look at our lives and say, there's no... <laughs> That's the wrong attitude. The attitude is, how can I be better for Jesus today, this week, this month, than I was last week, last month, yesterday? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with honesty. 
in a Christian. There's nothing wrong with integrity as a Christian. There's nothing wrong with purity as a Christian. There's nothing wrong with getting better. (laughs) And some people look down on honesty and integrity like, yeah, right. No. I want people to look at my life and I want them to see Jesus. I want them to see a representation of what a Christian should be as best it possibly can in my life. There are too many shady Christians bringing shame on the church. God wants you to become a genuine, authentic, pure, and transparent child of God that looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, walks like Jesus, talks like Jesus. Oh, you never be Jesus. No, you probably can't grow the beard he had and have the curly long hair. But you can be better. You don't need to put on your robe, put on sandals. You don't have to be like that, but you can be what Jesus would be if he was here today. Amen? Can you pass the test of sunshine? Does your life pass the test? God wants to clean up your life of all the evil until it's pure, until there's a a glaring flaw in your life. Don't you want God to help you fix that glaring flaw? Don't you want him to improve you? You want him to help you fix it? What if that flaw that you let go and keep ignoring will cause someone else to trip and fall and stumble? Well, He's a good Christian. He does it. That leads us to Paul's next phrase. Christians will grow in example. Because the next phrase, Paul prayed that you may be without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. To offend someone is to put a stumbling block in front of her so that he or she trips over it and falls. Christians are to grow spiritually. We're to become better. We look at ourselves in the light of the sun. Why? Because other people are watching you. Amen? Especially if you're a young Christian, you probably are looking at somebody and saying, wow, I want to I follow him. I want to be like her. I used to pray that God would switch bodies with me and one of those older Christians so that they could clean me up and then we could switch back. As a young Christian, that's what, that's what I thought. As a child, I said, boy, that'd be so great. She was so spiritual. I had to switch with her for a while. And it, I'll, I, when I get back, woo. You ever feel like that? Why can't we let God do that? Beginning to work in our lives. Because we don't want to stumble and fall. Christians are to grow spiritually so that others look at our lives. They will not stumble spiritually because of our example. Whether you want them to or not, people are watching you. They are seeing how you overcome the obstacles of life. Many are following in your footsteps. And the more obstacles we remove from the pathway to heaven, the easier it is for those that are following along behind. Because they're going to have enough of their own issues without watching you trip over yours. It's sad to think that some Christians keep bad attitudes that will cause somebody who's following them to begin to act like them. It's sad to think that some Christians would keep bad habits that would cause those that are following along to do those bad habits. 
And then we begin to make excuses for them. So pretty soon we have a whole different denomination that thinks it's okay to do something that years ago we called sin. Right? And we're battling over issues today we never thought possible to battle over in the church and Christianity. But because of our put obstacles in the way, and then people start tripping over those obstacles until we have a whole new movement that says it's okay. So how sad to keep, as a Christian, something in your life that causes other Christians to fall and trip and mess up spiritually. And here I want to say don't point fingers. When you see someone that that you admire who keeps tripping and falling, don't point fingers, but begin to pray this prayer. Pray for each other. Lord, help them. Not to be a stumbling block, not to be an offense to someone else, not to cause people to trip. Help to remove that out of their lives, Lord, because we as Christians pray for each other and encourage each other because we all want to make it. Amen. This is a prayer for other Christians as well as working on your own life. We will all improve in the same measure that we pray about issues in life. And notice that Paul said that they were to do this until the day of Christ. We keep growing in our excellent choices and purity and example until you make it to heaven. Paul is praying that we will continue to grow in this until we get to heaven, until the day of Christ. We want to continue to grow. We aren't ever there. At 80 years, you're still not there yet. Until you get to heaven, you can still grow. There'd be nothing worse than an 80-year-old all of a sudden to become a stumbling block to somebody who's 10. I wouldn't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen to me at 57. I don't want to be a stumbling block to one of these teens or one of these children. I know you don't either. So let's pray for each other that this will not happen, that we will get better and better and better until we go to heaven. That's a good prayer. That is a very good prayer. Because if it happens to one of us, it will affect somebody else of us. But Paul's prayer continues. He says, next he prays that Christians will grow in righteousness. He prayed in verse 11 that they would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. Fruits of righteousness. Obviously, as we let God remove these spiritual obstacles from our lives, he will replace each negative. Oh, God is so good. He will replace each negative that he removes, every flaw that goes out, every stumbling block out of our life. Guess what he does? He puts something in its place, but what it's in its place is a fruit of righteousness. Devil and even some other Christians will have you focus only on your flaws. I'll never be pure. I'll never be a good Christian example. I always mess up. I'm not any good. I just can't do this. I'll just barely make it in. That attitude is where he wants Christians to be. But that's not where God wants us to be. 
What are you, are you going to limit the work of God in your life with a negative attitude that you can't grow as a Christian? Because every time we give up something that is a flaw or an obstacle, guess what God does? He puts in something good. The fruits of righteousness. God has promised that Christians will grow in righteousness. And Paul prayed that his Christian friends would be filled with the fruits of righteousness. And Paul listed these fruits in Galatians 5, and 23. Don't you want that spiritual agape love? Don't you want joy? Don't you want peace? Long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't you want these things growing in your life? Don't you want to be better? I could use a little more peace. I could use a little more patience. It's the impatient person that becomes the stumbling block for the new Christian, right? So God will take that away and take that stumbling block out and give you more patience. You will last longer. You will smile later in the day. And when you get up in the morning, it's not the coffee that makes your day start. It's Jesus in your heart. Ooh, that's a new concept. Don't focus again on the flaws that God is moving. So much focus on that that you fail to see the fruits that God is growing. Amen. You can focus on the negative. You can focus on the positive. I'll never make it. I'm not good enough. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus thought you were good enough that he died on the cross for you to start, and then he took the sins out of your life, secondly, and, and he set you on a new path, thirdly, and guess what? God thinks enough of you to continue to help you to grow and produce, and so more love and more joy and more peace and more patience and more goodness and kindness, and who doesn't want that? I want it. But look what I have to give up. No. Look what you gain as you walk and grow in Christ. God wants these characteristics to grow in your spiritual life. You know he does. And these fruits of righteousness are growing inside you as you grow in Christ. You can help other Christians grow in righteousness by praying this prayer for them. Instead of focusing just on the negatives, why not pray and then watch your Christian friends grow in the positives and begin to say, wow, look at what Ian did today. I mean, look at uh, Margaret and look at what, you know, look at Harry. And Judy says, Harry has more patience. And what are we talking about? Because we're going through stuff in our lives. And we need to pray for each other. That they have more of the fruits. Because life can be difficult. It's good to see Jeannie here today. We need to pray for the fruits to grow in her life, right? And in Tom's life. And we need to pray. Marini, we need to pray for Wanda. We need to pray for Steve. And we need to pray. Why? We want it to grow. It does no one any good in a church if someone goes down. If someone trips over a flaw. 
If someone gives in and gives up, and you know people that have had things that come into their life and they gave up and quit. And I wonder who's praying for them. Who in the body of Christ is praying for the other people in the body of Christ because I don't want to lose another one from my church. We help each other by praying. Instead of just focusing on the negatives, pray and watch your Christian friends grow in the positives. Amen. And that leads us to the last point, that Christians who grow will glorify God. Because he ends this prayer, he said that all this growth from the, of the beginning in verse 9 all the way through to the fruits of righteousness, all of this growth would be to the glory and praise of God. Harvest season's out there. And when a crop is bountiful, and it really turns out great, you chose the right seed this year that really produced, and, and you, you got the right pesticides, and you, you had the equipment, and the rain came at the right time, and everything went good, and, and you, you know. When a crop is bountiful, it points to the work of the person's responsible. And, of course, to the work of God by sending some of the sunshine and rain at the appropriate times. But, but a lot of it has to do with the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. And when our Christian lives are fruitful, and when we're gaining these areas and dropping off the other areas, guess what happens? Uh, that it points to the work of God in our lives. And when we point to what God is doing and say, God, help me with my joy. God, help me get rid of this uh, bad habit. God, help me in this other area. And now I'm becoming more like him in many ways. He helped me with this decision. And so everybody looks and they say, wow, what a great man. No, they say, what a great God. He's the one that did it. So the praise and glory flow through us and up and point to Jesus because the spiritual growth comes from God. But our prayers sure make it easier. And as we pray for each other and we grow in each other, it brings praise and glory to God. Can you feel Paul's passion in this prayer? Paul's vision of this church in Philippi is that the Christians would keep growing in agape love and knowledge and discernment, and this would lead to excellent decisions and pure lives and better examples and spiritual fruitfulness. And ultimately, every time someone looks at them in that pagan environment, they would say, God's at work. And it will bring glory and praise to God. Paul isn't praying that this would happen to the Philippian church, and I want to see this happen in our church, don't you? That people will look at us and say, they go to that Nazarene church over there, or I hope it happens in other churches in town, where they would say, look at what's happening. It's moving. God is working. People are changing, and they're becoming what God called them to be. Instead of just barely becoming Christians, we become Christians. Amen? Real Christians. And when the life gets tough, That's when it really shines. 
when things aren't going as good as we would like them to be, when there's worries and, and issues and what ifs. That's when the Christian who's really all in can be seen from those that are just barely living the Christian life. How do you get off the floor? Begin praying this prayer. Pray it for other people. Have them pray it for you. And you don't have to stop here because Paul has prayers in almost every one of his epistles. <laughs> and they're encouraging and they're strengthening and they're helping. We're just doing Philippians. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really dealing with this prayer. I was reflecting this week of of how I've seen some of you grow. Been here four years. You look at your life on a day-to-day basis and say, hey, not much happening. But I didn't know you guys until four years ago. And I've watched some of you literally make great strides for Jesus. Attitudes improving, walk with Christ improving, bad habits leaving, right? Flaws are going, stumbling blocks are being removed, the fruits of the Spirit are coming in your life, and you say, well, I'm not about to. Yes, you are. God is changing you. God is making you. God is transforming you. You are in Christ Jesus, a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. You're growing. I love it. Some of you have been around forever, and you're still growing. Get into the Word. Get into the life of Christ. Pray more. Read more. Become more like Him. Pattern your life after Him and grow, grow, grow. Don't focus on the negatives unless you're going to remove them. Begin focusing on the positives. This is what God is doing. And I tell you what, you'll walk a little straighter and you'll be more confident and you'll have a smile on your face and you'll say, I'm about as passionate as Pastor Beth or Mary Marlowe. <laughs> now, when you get to Tom Jackson's stage, we're all there, folks. We're doing our own things. And I see it. Oh, I can concentrate on the flaws if I want to. Why would I want to do that? Concentrate on what God is doing and how you're growing. And the best way we can do that for each other is to pray for each other. Don't get discouraged. See, there's a huge initial change when we come to Christ. Bam, sin gone, new, new life. And so we, wow, experience that wow moment when we jump vertically, you know, 100 feet as far as in our spiritual life. And all of a sudden, things are brand new. And then the rest of it is day by day, week by week, or month by month, progress with God. And we don't see that boom surge most of the time in our life. Don't get discouraged. <laughs> Many of the spiritual changes God is making in your life after salvation are going to take some time. It took you 30 years to get the way you are. 
It's going to take a little bit of longer to sand off some of those. But you better open yourself up to God. Look at the light. Look at your flaws. Do what you can. Mention them to God in prayer, and he will guide you to a fruit or something else in your life that will help to remove that and begin to make you a better person. Amen. I just love this stuff. Many of the spiritual changes he's making in your life will take time, but each struggle that you surrender to God's will leads to another spiritual victory in your life, and each victory in your life points to Christ and brings him praise and glory. And I've seen some of you grow this week, and I know God has noticed it also. He is proud of you. Debbie shares once in a while something that somebody posted on Facebook. I said, wow, he's growing. She's growing. Look at what they put. Challenges me. I love it. I see some of you taking gifts or food and whatever, and you're growing and you're ministering. You love each other. As Christians, we need to keep growing as we are going through life. Amen. No one stays the same. You are either improving or falling behind as a Christian, and God wants you to improve. Your pastor wants you to improve. Your youth leader wants you to improve. Your spouse wants you to improve. Amen. We do. God wants us to improve. And this prayer of Paul's is so good that I want to challenge you to pray it. Pray it forward. That's a new phrase. (laughs) Somebody does a good deed to you, you're supposed to play it forward. Well, I want you to pray it forward. If there's only one in your bulletin, there's extras out there, and take them out of the bulletins because they're going to get pitched anyway. And everyone in here that wants this prayer can have it. You can laminate it. You can blow it up. You can do whatever you want to with it. Make it bigger so you can read it better. Put it in your uh, prayer journals. Put it in your devotional book. Put it in your prayer time, Bible, whatever it is. We all have different ways of doing things, but put it there. And once a week or twice a week or Every day, if you want to, begin to put people's names in those blanks and begin to pray for them, that this will begin to happen in their lives. We're talking about for Christians, right? There's different prayer for the sinner. Lord, bring conviction on them and help them to get sick of their sin and want to come to Jesus. But for the Christian, Lord, I want them to grow in agape love and all the knowledge and abound more and more and discernment. And I I want them to to be examples and I want them to be pure and I want them to be uh, full of righteousness. Amen. And I want them to give praise and honor and glory to you. So that's why this is out here. Pray it forward to your specific Christian friends who are a part of our church or in your family and so on. Um. I know you want your friends to improve as Christians. You can have a part in making their life better (laughs) and making them a better person by praying this kind of prayer. It's family altar time. And I want to say there's no shame when you come to this altar and give another part of yourself to God and grow in God. There's no shame when you pray about your needs or the needs of someone else. Family altar prayer is another way that you bring glory and praise to God. Please, spend a couple minutes, family altar time, whether you come down here or not, I hope some people do, but come down here and say to the Lord, I want to do this and I want to pray for some people and start today. 
praying that God will begin to work in their lives to make them better Christians. Amen? We can do that. As we stand together and they sing the... Spirit's prompting me to sing something this morning that from this message, I need to be obedient. I want to sing this song. Somebody's praying. I can feel it. Somebody's praying yes. for me. Yes. Higher hands are guiding me to protect me from what I can't see. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Somebody's praying for me. Angels are watching. I can feel it. Angels are watching over me. There's many miles ahead till I get home. Till I'm safely kept before his throne. Because, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Angels are watching over me. Well, I've walked this barren wilderness where my pillow was a stone. And I've been through the darkest valleys where no light had ever shone. Still I went on, cause there was someone down on their knees. Lord, I thank you for all these people praying all this time. For me, yes. somebody's praying, I can feel it, somebody's praying for me, higher hands are guiding me. To protect me from what I can't see. Cause Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Somebody's praying for me. Somebody's praying. For me. Amen. You know, I think it'd be really encouraging to someone else in the church if you would come up to them in a week or so, two weeks down, and say, you know what, that prayer. <coughs> That purple prayer that pastor passed out, I've been praying that for you. Wouldn't that be an encouragement? This is something we can do. 
That's not a big deal. It is a big deal. When you talk to God about other people, it's a big deal. And we watch each other grow, and you had a part in it because you prayed for her and him. Isn't that true? I think we invest in each other in many ways. Prayer may be one of the ways we neglect for other Christians. We pray about the sick, we pray about the sinner, but do we pray that we as Christians get better at being Christians? Let's try it, church. Let's try it. Thank you, Lord, for our time together looking at this word of God and how you've spoken to us and how each of us are just saying, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Um, so, Lord, we pray that this practical part will be also a spiritual part, become a part of our DNA, that we will not just take each other as Christians for granted, oh, she'll make it in. But no, we will realize that we need to pray each other in. We need to pray each other into a better relationship, and we need to grow as disciples and become more like you. Lord, I don't want us to get discouraged. Lord, I don't want us to ever give up. I want us to keep going. I want us to, to thrive as Christians. I want to see each one give the best that they have and make the best choices in life and be the best example in life that we possibly can be. And so I pray that you will help me as a pastor and help these my people, to, your people, Lord, to take these steps of praying these things for each other. Now, Lord, we do want to pray for our sick. We do want to pray for those that are facing major decisions, those that the doctors are puzzled what to do. Pray that you'll show them. We do want to pray, Lord, for hurts. and We want to pray, Lord, for blessings. <laughs> we want to pray for our community. We want to pray for our country. There's an election coming up in just a little over a month. Major, major stuff is happening. But Lord, you are God. And help us not to get sidetracked on the minutiae and miss the big picture. And that is, God, you're working as we pray. <laughs> you are working, yes. oh God. Yes. And so, Lord, we are grateful for that. Work in the lives of our children. Work in the lives of our teens. Help us as adults, help us even as senior adults, continue to grow in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing that. Help us in our worship right now as we give you the praise and our fellowship as we, as we go over for a dinner today. Just be a part of it, Lord, because we're Christians and we crave you more and more. Amen. Amen.